0: The following resource is from LMPC.org, and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at LMPC.org give. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be, made, be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has more, who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him. But they could not reach him because of the crowd, and he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Good morning again. I, I am Will. I'm one of the pastors, and we are very glad to have you with us. I do just want to note Joe said this in the announcements this morning, uh, but some of you may have wandered in afterwards. Tonight, we will have the very special privilege of getting to hear from Brad Cobb and Clay Tolson as they come back and report on their relief trip that they just took to Ukraine. And so I know that many of us are excited about that. Many of you supported them as they went. And so we are really looking forward to hearing them. That will be at 6 p.m. tonight here in the Fellowship Hall. So we would love for you to join us. Please make plans to be with us and to be encouraged uh, by the stories. That they tell. Also, we'd love to thank those of you who came yesterday to our Love Lookout blood drive. Thank you for donating it yesterday. And many of you came and uh, gave some of that precious resource. So thank you for, for loving our community well by doing that. Well, we are continuing our study in the gospel of Luke this morning. And our passage actually dovetails really nicely with last week's study of the parable of the sower. In that passage, Jesus was comparing the word of God to seed. He compared himself to a farmer who's casting seed on the ground on various types of soil that corresponds to our hearts. The big question that Jesus was trying to get his followers to ask is, what kind of soil is my heart? What kind of soil is my heart? What kind of heart do I have? Is it receptive to the word of God? In this week's passage, Jesus continues on that theme and continues to impress on us, on his followers, the importance of listening listening to the Word of God. And he tells us the way that we know that we have listened to the Word of God is this, that we do it. We listen, we hear, and we obey. And we find even in this last little passage in verses 22 through 25 that he calls us to do it even in the midst of life storms, of life's chaos. So you can see our outline there in your bulletin this morning. The Word of God calls us, number one, to carefully listen. We'll look at that in verses 16 through 18 to consistently obey, to bear the family resemblance in verses 19 through 21, and then finally to confidently rest, to trust in Christ's power amid life's chaos in verses 22 through 25. So that's our roadmap this morning. Let me pray, and we'll ask God to bless our time in his word with his Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but your word endures forever and ever we know that it is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword and we know that it does not return to you void so we pray god that you would accomplish whatever purpose you have for us this morning would you help us even now to obey jesus and to take care how we hear would you open our eyes to see wonderful things from your law May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone, uh, maybe at a party, a dinner party, something like that, and you realize, I don't think this person is listening to a word that I'm saying right now? Ever had that, that moment? They're sort of nodding along and making the appropriate noises to indicate polite engagement with what you're saying? But periodically, you notice their eyes are kind of starting to drift above your shoulder. They're kind of scanning to see who else is at the party. And you just realize like, oh, this person's not listening to me. Nothing that I'm saying is getting through. Or perhaps another scenario, maybe you have been sent to the grocery store by a loved one, pick up a few items, and you return. And as y'all are unpacking everything, this loved one says to you, where's the salsa that I asked you to get? And you forgot about the salsa. And you say, they say actually to you, of course lovingly, kindly, gently, because they are your beloved family member, were you even listening to me when I gave you that list? Kids, have you ever had your parents get on to you because you were not doing something that they asked you to do? And when you protested about the punishment that maybe they were going to hand out, they said, you were not listening to me. Ever heard that from your parents? And you think I was listening, I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do it. That connection between listening and doing is really significant, isn't it? In so many instances, the only way we know if somebody was really listening to us is based upon what they do after the conversation's over. Right? It's based upon what they do after the conversation is over. Do they do what we asked, what we told them to do? Do they remember anything that we said? our passage this morning, Jesus asks us to take care how we listen to the word of God. That's what he says in verse 18, take care how you hear. And then in verses 19 through 21, he tells us that those who really hear him, those who are carefully listening, don't just hear him. They do what he says. And then in verses 22 through 25, we get a case study and how not to do that. How not to listen or obey. The disciples are in a boat with Jesus in a storm that they think is going to kill them. And instead of having faith in Jesus, they panic. So, our big question this morning is when God speaks, do you listen? When God speaks, do you listen? One of the ways you know that you are listening is that you do what he says. And one of the ways you really know you're listening is that you trust him even when life gets crazy, and he seems to you to be asleep at the wheel. So let's walk back through the passage together. Look first at verses 16 through 18 as God's word calls us to carefully listen. In verse 16, Jesus kind of starts this enigmatic little saying. He starts talking about lamps. You don't light a lamp just to cover it up, right? He says the whole point of a lamp is that you need its light to see. That's why we light lamps, And it's not immediately clear what Jesus' point is. Why is he going on about lamps? In verse 17, he starts talking about what the light of the lamp does. It exposes, it illuminates. Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And it's not until we get to verse 18, I think, that his actual point starts to come into focus. Because he says, take care then how you hear. Now, all throughout the parable of the sower, what we looked at last week, which comes right before this passage, obviously, Jesus has been talking about the word of God and how you hear it. And so when he says here, take care how you hear, I think he's talking on the same thing. Take care how you hear what? The word of God. That's what he's been talking about. This actually helps us, I think, understand verses 16 and 17 about the lamp, that kind of confusing statement. Why do we need to take care how we listen to the word of God? Because how you listen is going to be exposed. And it's going to have eternal significance. Jesus says in verse 18 to the one who has more will be given and from the one who has not even what he thinks he has will be taken even what he thinks he has will be taken away. The word of God exposes who we are. It shows us our hearts. And what we do with that, that moment of exposure, what, how we respond to that, Jesus says has eternal significance. Those who listen and do what it says receive spiritual blessing. Those who don't have even what they think they have taken away. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Just is for me. How are we listening to God's word? I think for many of us, it's very easy to come here on Sunday mornings to check that box of Sunday worship, right? We came, we saw, we conquered. We got here, maybe sort of on time. We got out, right? We listened. Time for lunch. Maybe you do your devotions the same way. I find this true for me a lot, that I can just be checking a box, reading God's Word in the morning. Okay, did that, on to the next part of my morning routine, and God's Word can roll off us like water off a duck's back. Listen, I get it. I get home half the time after I do this, after I preach God's Word, and I could not explain to you what I preached about that morning. right? I've forgotten it, and I'm the one who prepared this. So it's very important for us to remind one another what we believe about this word. What we believe about God's word. Because what Jesus is inviting us to believe is that this is a word that does stuff. This is the same word of God who, when he said, let there be light, there just was light. This is the same word of God who took on flesh. And when he told a dead man named Lazarus to walk out of his tomb, he did. This is the same word of God that when he is awoken by his terrified disciples and asked to do something, he tells the waves to be still, and they do. When we come together on Sunday mornings to look at God's word together, we are looking at a word that tells us it is living and active. As we look at passages of scripture together week by week, are we taking that into account? That this really is the Word of God? Are we considering what we need to do with it? How will we respond to it? How will we apply it to our lives? When it calls us to repent of our sins, are we thinking of particular ways to do that? When it calls us to rest and to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us, are we doing that? Or are we scheming up new ways to try and earn our way into the kingdom? When it tells us that we are God's children now, do we believe that? Or are we too busy believing God couldn't possibly love someone like us? When God speaks, do you listen? What is He exposing about your heart? On this day that Jesus points to, when some will receive more and some will have the, even the little bit that they thought they had taken away, where, which camp will you be in? Where will you be on that day? how do you know? How do you know which camp you're in? How do you know if you were in God's family? Fortunately, Jesus answers that exact question, right? In verses 19 through 21, he tells us who his family is. Look back at those verses. A crowd has gathered around Jesus. His blood relatives, literally his mother and brothers, are trying to get to him, and it's so packed that they can't make their way through the crowd. So they send him a word, we, we want to see you. And Jesus uses it as a teaching opportunity to again, start talking about God's word. He says, my real family, my mothers and brothers, are those who hear the word of God and do it. Being in Jesus's family means not simply hearing the word of God, not letting it go in one ear and out the other, but actually doing it. Hearing and doing, we were back to that connection that we started with this morning. I wonder if you noticed in our call to confession this morning, it was from James chapter 1, if you need to just pull out your bulletin real quick, uh, it sounds a similar note. Let me just read it again. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. James compares the one who listens but doesn't obey to somebody who just catches their reflection and then immediately forgets what they look like. Do You ever have that moment? You ever have that moment where you like catch a glimpse of yourself in a mirror or a window or you know, some reflective surface and you like kind of do that like double take? Like, what? Have I looked like this all day? Like, who let me out of the house looking like this? Like what happens in that moment, right? When you see something about yourself, you're like, ah, no. Has that been in my teeth all day? Has my hair looked like this all day? You want to do something about it, right? You want to fix your hair. You want to get that thing out of your teeth. James says the person who hears the word of God but doesn't do it is like someone who catches a glimpse of themselves in a mirror, sees all of that, and is just like, meh. Who cares? Who cares? And just keeps moving. What does he say about the one who hears and does the word of God? He says that man looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Isn't that language interesting? Perfect law that gives freedom. When we talk about obeying God's word, if your brain's anything like mine, it goes immediately into this area where you just think, here we go. Just boring, robotic life where we never have any fun, life of drudgery, austere discipline. The party is over, it's time to be obedient. And James says, obedience to God's word is obedience to a perfect law that gives freedom. Freedom. James is saying, this is the life that you were made to live. When you were living obedient to God, it is the life you were made to live. You feel free. So that brings us back to our text this morning. Are you living it? Are you hearing and doing God's word? Jesus says his real family doesn't just hear the word, they do it. As we hear the word of God, one of the questions we have to be asking is, so what? So what am I going to do about it? You've heard it, now what? Okay, so I need to pause right here because for many of us, many of the legalists in this room, many of those of us with a pharisaical bent, those of us who love checking boxes, this is very exciting, right? It's like, finally, we get to do something. Here we go. This is what I've been waiting for us to get practical. And before we get too far down that road, we have to look at the next couple of verses. Because immediately, Luke gives us a story where the very thing that the disciples are supposed to do is rest and trust. And they don't do it. Let's Look back there, verses 22 through 25, as the Word of God calls us to confidently rest in Jesus. The disciples are on a boat with Jesus. He said, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And then Jesus promptly falls asleep. And as soon as he does, a storm pops up, and Luke tells us it's a humdinger. This is a real storm. Water is swamping the boat. It's so bad that Jesus' disciples, many of whom are professional fishermen, don't forget that, right? This is not their first rodeo. They've been on boats before. They've been on this particular lake before. This storm is so bad that they are like, We're dying. Wake him up. We are dying. And so they do. Jesus wakes up. He rebukes the storm. It's interesting. That word rebukes the same word that Luke's going to use throughout the gospel to talk about Jesus interacting with demons. Jesus rebukes the storm. The storm immediately stops. Doesn't like kind of calmly slow down, it stops. And he turns and he looks at the disciples and he says, Where is your faith? And it's interesting to note the disciples' response. They are terrified, not of the storm, of him. They are terrified. Who is this that tells a storm to shh? And it does. They were worried about what was outside of the boat. Now they're worried about what's inside the boat. This is one of those stories where I tend to really identify with the disciples. Right? By all appearances, they are dying. You understand how we got here, right? The boat is flooding. Jesus is asleep. You know those signs on like the fire extinguishers that are like, break in case of emergency? We're there. Right? It feels like this is the time to wake him up and ask him to do something. And so when Jesus asked them, where is your faith? I almost can't believe that one of the disciples, maybe Peter, doesn't respond by saying, where is our faith? We were dying and you were asleep. What did you want us to do? It's interesting, right? Why don't the disciples respond that way? You can only speculate. But I wonder if the reason the disciples don't respond that way is because they they are getting something that Jesus is trying to say to them. They thought that they were dying, but what was Jesus doing? Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was not fretting about the storm. If Jesus could sleep in this storm, perhaps that ought to have signaled to them, we're going to make it. But in the moment, all they could see is the flood waters coming in, all they could see is their external circumstances, and so they misinterpreted his sleeping. Maybe he doesn't know. Or worse, maybe he doesn't care. When hard circumstances flood our vision and we don't see God working, we are always going to be tempted to go this route. We will be tempted to lose faith in him. Lord, do you not not see? Do you not care? Lord, our marriage is falling apart. Do you not see? I'm literally dying. Like of a cancer that won't go away. Do you not see? Do you not care? And the test for the disciples in the middle of the storm is this. Can they remember the one who is in the boat with them? Can they remember that he said, we're going to the other side? And can they trust him that they're going to get there? Can they understand that he's sleeping not because he does not care, but because even a storm that they think is going to kill them is no match for his word? Can they remember who is in the boat with them? Because that's significant, because Jesus is not going to calm every storm, he is not going to calm the storm that comes for him on the cross. He is not going to calm all the storms that come for His disciples after that. And we know from our own experience, He doesn't calm all of our storms, does He? So the question for us is, will we trust that He is in the boat with us? Will we trust that He is with us? When life threatens to overwhelm us, will we remember that? Can we remember that He has been tempted in every way that we are? That He literally is God-made flesh. That He underwent everything that we go through and was without sin. And He did it for us. Can we remember that He promised to be with us even to the end of the age? That He has sent His Spirit to live in us. Jesus is inviting His disciples, His followers in that moment, but us too, even today, to echo those words of the psalmist, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Because you are with me. Jesus had not abandoned his disciples. And he does not abandon us. Can we trust him even when we cannot see a way forward? Many of you may be familiar with the story. We may have actually even used it here before. Uh, The story of one of the history's great long-distance swimmers, a young woman by the name of Florence Chadwick. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. Uh, And in 1952, she decided to try and swim the 26 miles from Catalina Island to the shore of mainland California. So on the day that she actually gets set up to swim, she gets in the water, heading for California, got to swim 26 whole miles. She's in the water for 15 hours. When a massive fog rolls in, right? Living up here, we're somewhat familiar with this. A massive fog rolls in around her, so thick that she actually can't see the accompanying boats that went with her. Her mother was in one of these boats. Her trainer's in one of these boats. And it's so bad, she can only hear them. And they're rowing and trying to keep her safe. And because she can't see where she is, she begins to worry. She begins to worry about how much farther she can go. And slowly she starts to break down, and she starts to beg them, please, you've got to get me out of the water. I can't, I can't keep going. And her trainer and her mom are urging, urging her on, you're so close. You don't even know. Just stay with it. You can do this. You, you, you can do this. Stay with it. And they're telling her again and again that she can make it. The shore is not that far away. But finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, Florence just stopped swimming. She just gave up, stopped swimming, and they pulled her into the boat and they began to row to the California shore, and it turned out it was one mile away. She had made it 25 and given up with one to go. And after the experience, Florence said, I don't want to make excuses for myself. I'm the one who asked to be pulled out. But I think that if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. And two months later, she tried again. This time, when the fog rolled in, same thing happened. She's in the water, been in there for 15 hours. A fog, thick, rolls in. She still can't see, doesn't know exactly how far she's been. But this time, she did not give up. And she made it all the way to the shore. And when she was asked this time what was different, she said, I kept a mental picture of the shore in my mind while I swam. When the fog rolled in and everything I could see told me that I was lost, that I might never make it, I focused on that image in my mind. And this time, when her trainer told her, you're so close, she believed them, And she made it. The call of the word of God on our lives is to trust him. Even as the floodwaters rise, even as all hope seems lost, because he's in the boat with us. And more than that, Because he is going to go down into the waters. On the cross, Jesus is going to be swamped. And there will be no rescue. And the storm will not be calmed. And he's going to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he is going to do that because he is in the boat with you. Because he is going to get you to the other side. Because he will never leave us or forsake us. Because he is the second person of the Trinity, who God the Father did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Let me finish here. It is very easy for me to stand up here and say that, not knowing all of the life situations that this room holds. And perhaps that's even what you're thinking this morning. Like you have, man, you have no idea. You have no idea. And you're right. I don't. But he does. And what I'm trying to tell you is that his word is telling you this morning that he is with you. And he is going to get you to the other side. And so will you listen to him this morning? Will you believe him and trust him and obey? Because he has you. Let me pray as we close. Father, we thank You that You did not spare even Your own Son. Lord, You owed us nothing of this. You owed us none of this. You didn't owe us Your life. You didn't owe us Your death. You don't owe us Your patience and Your grace. And You give it all to us. Lord, how much love You must have for us that You would allow us to be called Your children. That you would restore us into your image, fully into your image. Making us more and more into the image of your son. God, I know this room carries much pain this morning. We carry a lot in our hearts. There are storms of life that are threatening. And we really do look and echo the words of the disciple. It feels like we're dying. And so we ask you, Lord, to remind us again that you're with us. That even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil, because you, our God, will take us all the way home. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.